Welcome to The Rachel Quizip Show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with an incredible human, Emma Louise Parks. Emma Louise is an online business coach and strategist for ambitious introverts, empaths, and HSPs. Before entering the online business space, she spent 17 years in one of the world's most stressful, male-focused, and extroverted fields, air traffic control. Alongside her time being the radar, keeping the busy skies above London safe, she also became an instructor for new recruits, fueling her love of coaching. Today, Emma Louise is an internationally recognized certified online business consultant and NLP master practitioner with accreditations in EFT and TFT. She's also the host of an award-winning podcast, The Ambitious Introvert, and having built her six-figure brand in under three years without previous business experience, Emma Louise is proof that when you take aligned action, you can scale your business with ease and speed. Emma Louise's mission is to help her clients embrace their ambitious introvert nature, stay in their zone of genius and impact more people with their profitable, sustainable businesses. Today, we're talking about what it's like running a business as an empath and a highly sensitive person. I know you're going to get so much from this conversation with Emma Louise, so let's dive in. so excited to talk to you today about running a successful business as an empath and a highly sensitive person. I know it's similar for you and my business. Many of our clients come to us and they identify as neurodiverse individuals and they're looking for alternative ways to run their business so they can honor their humanity. And I love everything that you put out there and it even makes me stop and pause and be like, hang on, how much of this relates to me? Because I don't identify necessarily as an empath or highly sensitive person, but the more that I hang out with people like you in this space, the more they think, hang on, maybe I am. So before we dive into your story and all of your tips and advice, I'd love to hear how you define being an empath or highly sensitive person. And would you mind sharing some examples too? Absolutely. So I have always realized that I was an empath as soon as I came across the word, because I always felt like a sponge for absorbing other people's emotions. And, you know, sometimes that's good emotions. And I was the type of person like at a party when everyone's lit up and I'm like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. But also if I'm around someone that's sad, I felt that sadness, not just in a, oh, that's a shame for them, but felt it like deeply in my soul. And as soon as I read about empaths and understood about absorbing people's emotions and literally taking on people's energy, that made so much sense. So that's something I've probably been familiar with for about 20 years. High sensitivity. This, this came to me much later. I did not discover this until my late thirties. And it's where our nervous system is more highly sensitive. It's simply that. And it is a form of neurodivergence because it's about our nervous system. So it's everything, you know, through it from our brain all the way down about how we process stimulus and affects about 20% of the population. There's been so much research done on it. It was discovered by Dr. Elaine Aron. He's written a great book about it. And it really is that stimulus, how we process it and how it affects us. So 
when I see the word sensitive, I think like a lot of people, they think emotional, like sensitivities, you, you know, stop being so sensitive or, you know, she cries a lot. And yeah, there is an aspect of that. But when we talk about a sensitive nervous system, we're talking about how stimulus affects us, things like lights and noise and other people and temperature and all of these crazy things that I've always been really, really sensitive to, to the point that I was called high maintenance. You know, it's like, I can't cope with the stereo being on 11 volume. It has to be on 10 and nine's too quiet. People are like, so high maintenance. Or I'd be in a restaurant. I'd be like, it's too noisy. Like, I can't hear what you're saying to me because the, the background's too noisy. So that is how a lot of people realize they're highly sensitive. And like you said yourself, a lot of my clients are like, I didn't even know this was a thing. And then I started following you and I was like, oh, this is me. This is me. And look, whether your nervous system is highly sensitive because you are one of the 20% of people who were just created this way, and it is a gift, which I'm sure we'll go into, whether your nervous system sensitive because you've had anxiety or you've had childhood trauma, or whether it's sensitive because you've just been consuming too much online and you've gotten yourself burnt out, I think everyone can see aspects of themselves in this. And I think that's like why you said you can resonate with so many of the things that I talk about. Thank you so much for that lovely definition and those examples. And yes, I don't think I'm a highly sensitive person, but recently I am through childhood trauma, through the pandemic, being locked down in Melbourne. We all have, um, you know, self-diagnosed PTSD, but I do find myself being really over sensitive and stimulated to so many things. And especially the volume lately on Netflix, I have to have, like all of the captions like displayed and I'm that person that's like up and down, up and down, up and down on the volume. And I'm the person at the moment that's out at a restaurant being like, I'm really sorry. Like, I can't hear you. Do you mind like turning to face me and things like that, where before I think I could filter out a lot of these background noises, extra stimulation where I just don't have the bandwidth to do that anymore. And I love that we're talking about this topic because I think it does relate to so many business owners right now, especially the conversations I'm having with my clients, like you said, you know, they might not identify as highly sensitive or an empath, but you know, they've ADHD or living with anxiety and depression and are overstimulated. And every time, you know, they're turning up to do their business, they're feeling like bombarded with messages and colors, particularly with reels. I can't handle the constant reels and the music. Like my phone is always on silence. So as a fellow coach and business owner, I would really love to know why you think some of the traditional business practices that we're seeing shared and perhaps forced on us aren't really serving introverted and highly sensitive individuals. Standard business practices in the online world are built for standard society and standard society is built for extroverts. And nothing wrong with that. I have extrovert clients. I have extrovert friends. You know, this is an extrovert bashing, but it's built to entertain people. Let's hook people in quickly. Let's show them lots of bright lights and colors. Let's give them lots of sugar. Let's do all of the things that, you know, people need to stimulate their nervous system to have a good time. But when you are more highly sensitive or if your nervous system is just frazzled and in a state of fight or flight because of, like you say, the last two years, then that's going to be overstimulating. So like you say, you want to go out to the bar. 
majority of the population is going to want the music loud. They want the lights flashing. They want the strobes. They want all of this. We're going to be like, okay, this is fine for like half an hour. And now I need to go home and lie in a dark room. And online business is the same. Like there's nothing inherently wrong with the online business practices. And they fit really well for those people that fit into standard society. But those of us that are more introverted, empathic, and highly sensitive, oh, it it's just, it can be really exhausting. Um, and, you know, anyone listening that's felt that, I want to make it really clear. I have felt like that. I have had periods of burnout where I've had to step away from social media. I now have, I'm going to say mastered in inverted commas for my own energy, the way that it works for me. That's not to say it works the same way for everyone, but it's about being mindful and being intentional and knowing like, okay, this system is designed for other people that are slightly different to me. And that's okay. It's designed for people that like to consume nine second reels, not for people that like to listen to a meaty podcast or read a blog post. It's consumed for people that need lots of color. It's consumed for people that like, you know, capital letters shouting at them. And that's okay. But I maybe don't need to spend quite as much time on there because, you know, five minutes on there is going to do the same to me as they get in two hours on there. And I think it's funny that you mentioned, you know, it's made for an, you know, extrovert. I'm extroverted. So I think it's really fascinating that even for my own sort of experience and some of my clients too, many are extroverted and we're all like together being like, oh my, like we're having to change the way we like engage with the world, the business space, the strategies, the tactics. And, you know, I've some podcasts episodes coming out on this show that are talking about that. Like I'm changing my launch strategies. I'm changing how many hours I spend on social media. I'm changing the type of content that I'm creating. And again, I always kind of quite happy in that space. I think I do love a lot of my alone time. and I am the type of person who never really likes the nine to five working space. I love my home office. I love collaboration, hanging out with friends, chatting, you know, creating ideas. And then I want everyone to leave me alone so I can go do or create or serve. And so I think it's really fascinating that many of us are really seeing that there are other ways to kind of honor our humanity and being. And I think this conversation is also important because traditionally we've seen, you know, being an introvert or an empath as like a negative thing or a challenge when it comes to showing up, serving and selling in our business, something that we need to like overcome but like you, I believe that now more than ever, we need more diverse voices, ways of being, different ways of doing things. And we need to be on, you know, honoring our own humanity so we can honor the humanity in others. So why do you believe this old way of thinking like has to change and why really leaning into who we are and what we know to be true about ourselves is actually like a strength and not something we should be telling ourselves we need to change? The old way of thinking just has no nuance for our personalities. It is just a blanket, do this formula, or this is how you sell, or this is how you launch, or this is how you you record reels or whatever the thing is. And it just doesn't leave any room for that humanization, like you say. And I think now more than ever, people are starting to realize with, you know, taking the Myers-Briggs test and seeing if they're introverted or extroverted, listening to things like, Um, you know, us talking, having this conversation, 
human design, all of all of these different systems that are now becoming a lot more available and mainstream, people have gone inwards. People are a lot more reflective. I think people have questioned themselves, like you say, during the pandemic, it's given us that space. We've we've had to spend time on our own, whether that's a blessing or a curse, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And when we look at all of that, I think it becomes just more and more obvious that we can't just say, hey, I'll buy this program and it's going to teach me exactly what to do. I saw a post on Instagram the other day and I was like, I have to make a story about this because it was someone, it was a coach for introverts as well. And it was like, do you want to do this in your business? Do you want to grow your brand and have clients knocking on your door without ever having to sell? Join my program and I'll teach you the exact steps to do. And I'm just like, there's so much wrong with with this. Like there's so, I just wanted to dissect every word of it because that not everyone is exactly the same as this coach. They don't have the same business model. They don't have the same values. They don't have the same lived experience. They might not have the same amount of time in the day. They might not have the same amount of privilege. So, you you know, to say, oh, well, just I'll teach you the exact things to do and you'll be able to do it. I just think context and nuance are needed now more than ever. I totally agree. And something that I like openly share is that my clients are always teaching me how to be a better coach. And I'm sure that you're the same. I have to admit my own kind of privilege and the ways that I was kind of doing things. And, you know, my systems and strategies are tested, suits most people. And I adapt things to suit different clients. Some clients are more visual. And so we do a lot of like illustrations and I share a lot of like actually practical examples and I draw things out and then I have other clients who prefer to talk things through. So we always talk things through and then other clients who prefer to go away and do stuff in workbooks. And I'm always supporting my clients in whatever shape or form that they need. And I think that's also that (laughs) just thinking about that Instagram post, I just, I I see them all of the time and I don't want to call people out. I really do want to call people in as they say, but this kind of blanket statement teaching just because it worked for me, this is how it worked for you. It was never great. And I know we've all probably been a little guilty of it, particularly, you know, someone such as myself, that's like a white business owner, a lot of privilege. But now when I see people do it, I'm like, how can you be sitting here and saying that? Like, it's just such lazy messaging, lazy business. And I don't know how their clients would actually like be getting any results, right? Like how can you just give blanket statements and blanket ways of doing things? Because I don't know about you, but I've also noticed that um, when it comes to different programs and the way they're being run and courses, I no longer even want to turn up to group coaching calls or group calls because I'm finding there are so many people there. The conversations are just all over the place. There's no moderation. Some people get time, other people don't. A lot of the conversation doesn't serve me. And so I don't even turn up to these kind of calls anymore because it's this blanket, I'll help you we can all help each other. Are you finding that too, either your own experience or your clients or even the simple things that we're just like, this isn't working for us. Why, why am I here? Absolutely. And my group program and my mastermind are both capped at five. So if I get more yes. than five people, they split into pods because of that reason. I, I was finding that People were coming and saying, I don't want to join a group. I want to do one-on-one. Obviously, I have a limited capacity for one-on-one and it was outside of some people's price range. I still want to serve those people. I still want to be able to provide them with the assistance. 
So when I looked at doing the mastermind and the group, I decided to split it down. And initially I did three just for my own you know, confidence and, and peace of mind that I could deliver. And then once I'd run a few um, iterations of three, I was like, I can extend this to five. So there would never be more than five people in a group, partly because people won't, I found that people won't share. They don't feel comfortable. Exactly. So they'll sit there, won't share what they're thinking, and then they're not getting the value from it. What I found with that kind of three to five number sweet spot is people build really deep relationships, which as introverts and highly sensitive is important to them. And they will share and they will be vulnerable, but they feel safe and they're in a great space to do it. And it's not the most scalable business model. No, because I can't sell 40 places in a program, but you know, that's not necessarily what I'm here for. I'm here to make sure that these people are supported in a way that supports their nervous system and honors them as a person. And I still really enjoy to go deep with my clients. You know, I know all of my clients really well, whatever capacity they're in. And I think that expedites their results much more than, like you say, sitting on a group call, feeling like you can't get a word in edgeways to the point that you're like, I'm just not even going to turn up next week. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up. I've done something similar by retiring all of my programs and just serving my clients in a one-on-one capacity. And again, I have a limit for how many clients I can serve, but it's intentionally set. And I, so I can go deep with them and really support them. And the more that I do this work, the more I realize I should have always been doing this type of work that I think there is definitely a place for workshops and group programs. But when clients are coming and wanting access to you. And the only way to access you is to sit on a call for 40 minutes until they get their two seconds of like airtime. I just don't think that there's value in that. And I do think there is a lot of, lot to be said, which I'm sure we'll go into in a sec about building a sustainable sort of aligned profitable business that really serves you and your clients. And when the two match, that's when things change. So before we go into some of the success stories, I know you're going to share with us. Do you mind sharing how you've navigated business as an introvert and like how you found out what works and doesn't work with your energy and ways of being? I know it hasn't always been an easy road for you, particularly with social media. Not at all. And when I came into the online business space in early 2019, I'd already been coaching. I'd had a coaching certification for about 12 years and I'd been actively coaching for about 10. And, um, I was a mentor in my corporate role as well. So I had all this experience. So I thought this was going to be easier. I was just going to, you know, put a website up and all these people would come flocking. And, and, and that didn't happen. So I happened to stumble across a coach on Google who was teaching coaches how to be coaches, like build a thriving online coaching business. That's like, oh, perfect. It's exactly what I need. Right. And this is where our nervous system does the whole thing with the, this is how I did it. And I'll teach you how to do it. We see it as a shortcut, right? Which is very exciting. Yeah. So I'm like, great. I'm going to sign up to this like $10,000 program or whatever. And, um, and it was not good for various reasons. One is that she had people at all different levels. So the person on the call ahead of me would be like, oh, so it's a 50K month so far. And then my ad spend is this and this is happening. And then I would be like, oh, what's a lead magnet? Because they literally was brand new and didn't have a clue. Yep. So I was like, I thought that I was doing a good thing by investing, like stretching myself and surrounding myself with successful people, but, but it wasn't, and it just didn't do anything for me. And of course, you know, the poor girl, poor girl that's earning 50 grand a month before me, I'm not going to bring any value to her time on the call. So I think it's really important as introverts, empaths, and highly sensitives to understand getting support at the right level. 
Like we might think we're doing the right thing, but actually getting the support you need. So that was my first mistake. My second mistake was listening to the extrovert coach telling me to go into Facebook groups and just comment on things. And I had no experience with Facebook. I didn't even have a personal profile. I had to open one. Um, <laughs> such a Luddite <laughs> because, because I'm a very private introvert. I did, didn't use social media in my day-to-day life. There's nothing wrong with it, but it just wasn't something that ever occurred to me. And so then I started you know, doing what she said. It just felt awful and I was exhausted. And I was like, look, let me use Instagram. I at least like taking pictures and, and stuff. I go to Instagram. Um, and I have no strategy. I had no intention. I hadn't got a clue what was going on. And the advice that was being given was just show up and sell. What does that even mean? Like, <laughs> like uh... just, just show up and sell. I was like, right, just, just go on a story and invite people to work with you. I, but, you know, for me, for my brain, I like a lot of detail. I like to research. I like to be prepared. I was like, this just feels terrifying. Um, which obviously was my nervous system kicking back now, I realize as well. So th- this went on. And, and then in the end, I worked with a one-on-one coach who's amazing. And we really like set the foundations and everything that I needed. That was great. That got me to a position that I could leave my job. And then it was about six months after that, we were just in the pandemic. I was like, I don't really have a niche. My messaging's all over the place. I'm signing clients because of referrals and recommendations more than anything mm-hmm. else. I really need a niche. And this is when you know, Black Lives Matter happened. We're at the start of the pandemic. And I was consuming so much on social media. I wasn't creating anything. I was just consuming. And I got overstimulated and exhausted. And I felt like I was doing everything wrong. Like, especially with the Black Lives Matter thing, I was like, I feel wrong if I don't comment. But then people were getting com- commenting and getting called out for comment. And I was like, I really felt like in this situation where I couldn't win and I went into complete freeze mode and I, I didn't open the app for two months. I did, I did nothing. Wow. And I was like, I still want this business, but I just don't know what I'm doing literally. So, um, I worked with a brand strategist. I did a beta group that she was running, which came at the perfect time. And we worked through so much stuff about the people that I like to work with and ideal clients and all of that. And I was like, I don't know what it is. There's a certain type of person, but I couldn't quite articulate it. I was like, they're action takers. My people are action takers. They're not procrastinators, but there's something else. And I remember I was in the kitchen and I just went, it's introverts. So amazing. Just like that. I was like, it's so obvious because, and I realized in that moment I had been, I had definitely been gaslit about having a bad mindset. I was like, I don't think I do have a bad mind. I, no one's mindset is perfect, of course, and it's ongoing work, but it all became clear. I was like, I don't have a bad mindset. I'm an introvert. So I can't just go and do the things. I can't just show up and sell inverted commas. I can't hop into Facebook groups and do it because it's so misaligned with who I am at my core and so misaligned with how I operate as a human that that's why I got exhausted and burnt out. And I went on to the brand strategy call. I remember it so well. There were about 10 of us in the group. I was like, I've got it. I was like, it's introverts, empaths, and highly sensitives. And I think six or seven of them commented and were like, that's me. And I would totally, like, if I saw that on your social media, I would totally resonate. And I changed it that day. And I had three DMs, people going, oh, this is me. Is this a new niche? I've never seen this look like, and instantly everything changed. I love that story. And something that comes 
from you sharing that. Also, I want to add, and you probably can totally relate to this. It's not just about being an introvert or an extrovert. It's also about like high risk takers and low risk takers and how, again, there is no judgment. I'm fairly risk adverse. And again, someone's an extrovert and done certain things in my business, you know, like closing down all of my programs and courses, even though they're doing well because of X, you know, people would say, well, where did that come from? There was so much planning and thought and research and everything behind that. And I think that's also something that I'm recognizing more and more with my clients that, you know, I am asking them, are you wanting to take a risk and what type of risk and what do you support do you need to like calm the nervous system and feel really safe? Cause I, I do believe that you can push yourself outside your comfort zone. You can take risks. You can challenge yourself. You can like, you know, you've done here creating that nation, you know, saying like, no, I'm going to serve these people. And that can feel scary, but can also feel really grounded and good and, you know, supported. And like, you can feel both those things. This idea again, that I think the business space keeps telling us, that it's okay to feel like nervous and scared and stressed and frustrated and overwhelmed all the time. And that's actually a good thing is not good at all. And so to hear you kind of come to that, I could really feel in my body. That's exactly what I felt when I've come to all of my decisions, like it coming to you and you're like, this feels so good and making the change. And then sort of the world responding and be like, Oh, I was waiting for you to do this. And I think that's how it should feel for a lot of us, but a lot of us making and I've said this before recently, like running businesses, we think we should have not the ones we want to have or making business decisions we've been told or think we should make not the ones we want to make. So I would love to hear how you've thrown out the real book and grown your business in your own way. And would you mind sort of sharing how being an introvert and empath and a highly sensitive person has actually been your strength. And, you know, from that day where you found your niche and had all those inquiries, like what has really leaning into this helped you to do for your business? Having that depth of understanding of my client. So this obviously helps that I am my mirror client. So I started off serving people that were maybe 18 months you know, before where I was at that stage, because I was like, Hey, I've been through this early stage. I know what it's like when you're trying to set up. I know how overwhelming it is. I know what it's like to, you know, join social media and all of this. So, um, I think having that deep understanding and being an empath and highly sensitive, we really do feel and empathize obviously with people. So that really helped me to build my messaging in a really solid way at the start. And it wasn't just like, hey, I've done it and you can do it too. It, it wasn't about that. It was, I think I was able to go deeper and say, I understand how you feel. Like I, this is a real thing. And it doesn't mean like you've alluded to that. You can feel overwhelmed and stuck, but it doesn't mean you're a bad person. But that's also not normal. You can also move yes. through this and feel, and feel a different way. Um, so I definitely went deeper rather than broader. And I think that's probably something I've done in my business as a whole. Like I don't have a huge audience by most people's standards, but I've still managed to build a six figure brand, a profitable business. You know, we run high profitability business that I love and enjoy. I've done things like I started the podcast before I had any clients, which people would be like, you know, Oh yeah, no, I totally, totally did. I obviously, I've been coaching people for a decade in various guises, but 
I had one client who was a mindset client from before I'd niched and she was an extrovert. <laughs> I was like, how's this going to go down? Um, turns out she was highly sensitive. So it was fine. She actually stayed as a client, but I was like, I'm going to launch the podcast and people are going to come from the podcast. And I think so far, four of my, maybe five, four or five of my podcast guests have become clients because we got on a call. We had a conversation. We sat face to face. I interviewed them for the podcast. We built a relationship and then they reached out and we're like, actually, I'd love to work with you. Or, oh, could I book an intensive with you? I was like, okay, the rule book is telling me I've got to go on social media all day and show up and sell and be in Facebook groups all the time. And yeah, I do aspects of that now, but I have definitely gone smaller and deeper and gotten to know people and built those relationships. And I would say probably about 60% of my business has come from referrals and recommendations or my current clients re-signing with me. So I think there can be this pressure for metrics and vanity, you know, oh, get these followers or you need this and all of that. No, you can totally do it your way. And for me, that was to have a deep deep connection with people and honor those relationships. I can definitely resonate with that. That's me to a T as well. And a lot of my clients come from the podcast, come when they hear me speak on another podcast, see me in a workshop. So it really is that personal connection. And also a lot of my clients come through referrals and repeat clients too. And again, I think that we're not talking about that enough. And this is a really valuable strategy and it really honors how I want to show up and the way I want to communicate and sell. I don't always feel comfortable getting on social media and just talking to the masses all the time. I do do a lot of things like that, but I really value, you know, chatting in the DMs. I have like a strong DM strategy. I get a lot of clients who start talking to me, <laughs> us like no doubt and music and plants <laughs> yeah. and you know, all these random stuff. And then relationships form they say that I'm offering my coaching program or a workshop and they say, Hey, is this for me? And I say, yeah, based on what you've told me or I know about you, it'll be perfect. And we go from there. And I think there are so many other strategies that we could be trying if we're any type of person or whatever we kind of define ourselves as that would serve us better than just that sort of like, you know, you need to be on social media. You need to have an email list. You need to write a blog. So I would love to know what are sort of some top, strategies or tactics or perhaps even some questions that you always support your clients to kind of think about or do so they can really like honor the the way they want to show up and sell and like even defining that for themselves. Is there anything you could share with listeners? Yeah. And it sounds so simple, but I think we often don't take the time to do it. One of the things I ask my clients the most on calls when we are coming up with a plan or, you know, exploring something is how does that feel? Yes. I love that question too. And it's so underused because of course we can think about it and we can think something's a good idea or we can, you know, think about this, but how does it feel? And, you know, I had a client call before this actually, and, you know, she's someone that's very intuitive, very in tune with, with herself. And we talked about something. I said, how does it feel? And she closed her eyes and she sat there for a good 30 seconds. And then she's like, yeah, it feels good. It feels exciting. So that's our permission to move forwards with that. If people go, no, it doesn't, no, that really doesn't feel good. That's just like a hard no for me. Then we leave it there. But it's known that, of course, nuance with everything. There might be that middle ground where it doesn't feel great because it's just pushing them slightly outside of their their comfort zone. And 
I think if you are someone with a more sensitive nervous system, an empath, an introvert, or, you know, you just, like you say, neurodivergent in a way that maybe you need to learn to trust yourself again. It's so important having a coach that can hold that space. And it's not just a call of like, right, here's all the strategy, go away and do it. It's how can you feel in your body and trust the decisions that you're making? Because I'm not here to, yeah, I have a lot of my clients do work with me long-term because they, they like to have the long-term support, but I would like people to finish working with me and know that they could trust themselves and know how to make decisions that feel good and feel aligned. I'm exactly the same. My head is so sore from nodding this entire time (laughs) the conversation. I totally agree. And I think, again, a lot in the business space is like, hold on to your, you know, secrets, your advice, your strategies, you know, really sort of like push people to like challenge themselves and things like that. It's a really kind of like a push pull energy and a kind of push pull relationship, a really hierarchical relationship where I'm guessing you might be the same and let me know if this doesn't feel true. But I, I take a very peer to peer kind of relationship to my clients. Like I always assume, and I know that they know their business and themselves better than I ever could. And I'm simply there as a guide, you know, for accountability, I can provide advice. I know what I know, like the strategies and the tactics, and that's what they're coming for, but we kind of work together and I call it, you know, sort of a co-partnership. Like I really am a partner in their business. I'm not going to kick them out of the nest and say, fly birdie, fly. And just like, see you on, you know, down there, like that whole kind of really like aggressive, like, no, nah, you got to kick them out and force them to do it kind of attitude. And I know a lot of coaches and people in the business space love leaning into their energy, that really traditional kind of more like aggressive style energy. Cause it's like, you know, edgy and it looks good on messaging, but I actually think a lot of people from, again, my years of experience um, and I've seen, um, I believe similar content for you, you know, like actually nurturing relationships and taking care of people and like supporting them actually allows them to go on to do better, to be better, to achieve more. It's actually a loving relationship, not a, you know, like hard and harsh style um, relationship. Do you feel that that is also something that your clients are perhaps looking for and they haven't got in the traditional space? And that's also perhaps why they don't trust themselves because, you know, they've got a person that they're perceiving in a position of like power or more knowledge literally telling them to override their nervous system every single time. And then after a while, they're like, well, surely if they're doing it and saying it and it's getting results for them, that I need to be doing it too and then blame themselves. hundred percent. And I have been in that situation as well. And, you know, like we touched on the group calls and a lot of my clients come, they've been in group programs and it's like, go and do this, go and do this, go and do this. And people go away and do it. And then they're like, well, I signed two clients and they've gone away and done it. And they've hated every moment. It's exhausted them. Their audience hasn't responded. And it is very easy to make it a story about us and about what's wrong with us. And I think what you say about the sexy messaging you know, take the leap and, you know, big action creates big results and all of that. I, I do a hundred percent believe in that. I, you know, very much into energetics and I do think that big action leads to big results. And I've seen it time and time again with my clients. However, it doesn't work if you've got a dysregulated nervous system and you're taking big action out of fear. When you're taking big action out of empowerment and you feel safe and supported to do so, that is a completely different story. Ah, oh, so true. And are there any other like 
little things that you do each day that perhaps you didn't even realize that you were doing that was like honoring your nervous system or helping you ground yourself back into that self-trust that you would feel comfortable um, to share. Like as an example, for me, it sounds really silly, but I clean my house. So it's actually a part of my like trauma response, want to clean stuff. But as I'm cleaning, I'm like, you've got this and I'm going through everything and I'm like, cool. And it's like a, I guess it's like a active meditation for me because if you tell me to sit there and concentrate on my breathing, I'm like, I can't breathe. And I get like, again, while I'm on coaching calls and everyone's like, breathe or dance. I'm like, and it just activates, but me kind of, and again, with the help of a therapist, you know, we've talked about, like, I literally clean and it's like using a trauma response to actually come and grab me. And then I sit down at my desk and I've already like written the post in my head or anything like that. And I didn't even know that I was already half doing that. And I share that with clients and they're like, yes, I'm doing this. And again, they can honor whatever's working for them instead of trying to change that. Do you have anything like that, that you're comfortable to share? Absolutely. And it's something that I have always done, um, which it turns out is part of my human design. So if anyone's listening and they're quite into human design, this this will make a lot of sense. But I didn't know um, is that I have emotional authority, which means I have to wait out big decisions and not commit to things because I could be in an emotional high or low. And so over the years, I have said yes to many things, not necessarily in business, and then regretted it people will be like, Hey, do you want to come on this night out next month? And I'm like, yeah. And then the day before I'm like, Oh my God, I don't want to leave the house. Why did I say yes to this? How can I get out of it? And I, you know, many things I've done this, but what I learned is that in that moment, again, as an empath, I'm probably taking on people's excitement and energy. So I like to give myself a bit of space with big decisions. And this has been the same in my business. So whether it's like designing a new offer or whether it's been invited to speak at a summit, something like that. I never make the decision there. And then I've got a good idea of how it feels, but I've now got no qualms in saying to people, I just need to sit with this for a few days. Can I get back to you? And, you know, it's not for everything, you know, I'm not like, Oh, what should I have for dinner? Let me just sit with it for a few days. But for the big things that matter, that has given me, it's given me the space to make sure that it's my decision, that what I'm thinking or feeling is actually coming from inside rather than me being affected externally by someone else's energy. But it's made me more confident in, I know this is a bit of an overused phrase, but you know, in making CEO decisions, because when I started the business, I thought of myself as a coach, not a business owner, but as we grow and scale, obviously we need to create those skills as well. So being able to take that space or being able to say to people, I'll make this decision in my own time and I'll know it's right for me. That's something that's given me a huge ability to trust. And, you know, whether you have emotional um, in your human design chart or not, I just think it's still a really great way for people to go, all right, I'm not being, I'm not like subconsciously being pressured into this, or I'm not doing any people pleasing, or I'm not, you know, worrying about what people are going to say. If I say no, I'm actually just going to go away and sit with it and let someone know in a few days. I love that. And it actually made me think of a final question I love to ask before we wrap up because I'm conscious of your time. How does this also flow into, I suppose, like doing a great job and, you know, handling all the deliverables for a client, but also not taking on their energy? Because the thing that used to affect me most when I was a service-based business, you know, you could work with me as a copywriter or marketing consultant, as opposed to a coach, because the program is set a little differently and I seem to be able to better manage that one-on-one, but sort of the pressures and the deadlines, 
the thing that I had personally struggled with was all of their like emotions and the pressure. They're like, have you got that? Is that, can that to be done quicker? I'm like, no, like I've got my systems and processes, but I would still feel my nervous system naturally kind of like flow up to respond. Like it wanted to be like anxious or defensive. So I know many of my clients are still working with clients or, you know, doing other things, partnerships, collaborations. And so I would love to know, is there any advice that you have for that? Because I think for a lot of my clients, some of the biggest triggers apart from the business space in general are their clients. Yeah. And I see that a lot too. A lot of my clients are creative. So I have a lot of copywriters, brand designers, photographers, um, agency owners, Facebook ads, that kind of thing where, you know, they are working in that collaborative relationship with clients. And so I do see this all of the time. And the question that I always get them to come back to when they're feeling this is whose energy is this? So if they have a, you know, one of my clients has an ongoing client who has a very intense energy, but you know, they love the work that they do for them. But when that person gets stressed, it comes through on the Slack channel. But I have to remind my client, like whose energy is that? And she's like, oh, it's his energy. Like, okay, so it doesn't affect you. Are you doing everything that you need to do? Yeah. Are you hitting your deadlines? Yeah. Like, fine. Like you say, no, it's not know and trust your own systems and process and know that it's not about you. And I know that's a really easy thing to say because we do take things personally and it still does affect us. But if we can just have that moment and have that little checklist of like, is this my energy? No. Okay. Am I doing everything that I need to be doing? Yes. Okay. Like even just in that few seconds, we're able to dissociate. Another thing I would say is having super clear boundaries at the start of a working relationship um, because scope creep is something that I see a lot because my clients are sensitive and they want to do a great job. So having those boundaries and saying like, these are the hours I communicate. This is when these things will be delivered and almost laying it out at the start so that everyone knows exactly where they stand. I think that just helps people to feel a bit more empowered when they're going into those type of contracts. I love that. And I can see that actually applying uh, to so many things in life from partners to friends <laughs> to like, you know, work colleagues, like everything. I am definitely going to use that. I do something similar, but I think I'm going to actually say the question out aloud again so I can hear myself ask it and like take a breath and not just do it all internally. I love that. And I know listeners are probably going to be writing that down and taking that away too. So if you wanted listeners to take away one thing about running a business as a highly sensitive person, what would it be? It would be that you get to decide whether being highly sensitive is a blessing or a curse. That's completely up up to you. It's not for anyone else to decide. As a business owner, it's probably in your interest to decide that it's a blessing. And if you do that, focus on the strengths. So often I see a sensitive, we focus on our weaknesses and we're looking at what we haven't done or what we haven't got or what we haven't achieved, what we're not very good at, all of those reasons that our subconscious wants to keep us safe. But when we focus on the strengths and you push your energy into the strengths and that's where your focus is, not only will you feel better, but your results will be insane. I can totally back that up. My clients that do identify as neurodiverse and really lean into who they are, their ways of being, like you said, the boundaries, I've got systems and processes, they know what strategies and tactics work for them. 
they say yes to things that work and are so like considered and thoughtful but clear when they feel no or don't think that they want to do something and that's when everything shifts in their business because they're no longer playing by the constraints of traditional business or anyone's point of view or ways of working they've literally freed themselves to create like a world and a business and a system that works for them so thank you so much for coming on to the Rachel Kujip show and for sharing your story insights and wisdom I know listeners are going to take away so much from this episode so thank you so much for being on the show thank you so much for having me it was great to chat with you